Hello, everyone. Welcome to another installation of Five Magazine's podcast series, Conversations. I am your hostess, Zarina Marani, aka CZ Boogie, the editor in chief of Five Mag. Recently, Jack Masters, PR agent, hit me up and told me he'd be in town to play a gig at Smart Bar and would I like to speak with him. And I had seen his name on quite a few bills and I was really, really curious to talk to him about his name, most of all, to be honest with you. Now, his real name is Jack Reville. He is from Glasgow, Scotland, and he is co-founder of the record label and Club Night Numbers, as well as Wireblock, Dress to Sweat, and Point One Recordings. He was awarded Breakthrough DJ at DJ Magazine's Best of British Awards in 2010. And just last year, he got voted as the number two artist in the Resident Advisor Top 100. His schedule was absolutely insane, but I was able to catch him while he was still at the UK, but heading out for another flight for a busy weekend of gigging. So you'll notice that this podcast will be very short and very sweet. And also, disclaimer, you will often hear a bird making random noises in the background. That's my parrot Julius in the studio. He always has something to say. So tell me about how you got your name and if you ever spoke to Farley Jackmaster Funk or... Any of that? The last, when I used to, the first few times I used to come to Chicago to DJ, there'd always be someone on Facebook or Twitter that would have a go at me about my DJ name, obviously because, because of the Farley Jackmaster Funk connection. The truth is, is that um, when I went to work at a record shop when I was like, I was 13 or 14 years old, I was still in school and I was working at a record shop every Saturday. Rub-a-dub? Um, yeah, Rub-a-dub, and they gave me the, the nickname Jackmaster at that time. I had, I had no idea who Farley Jackmaster Funk was. I had no idea that Richie Houghton had also used the name for one record, and I had no idea what the name meant. Uh, the name, the, what the definition of the name, and they were they just used to nickname me that. And then I got a, a guest show on a local radio station with uh, a legendary Detroit uh, DJ called Claude Young. Uh-huh. He asked me what he asked me what my DJ name was, and I just told him, "Oh, Jack Revo." And he was like, "Nah, we can't have that." He was like, "What was it? Was the nickname they call you?" In the, in, the, in the record drop and I was like oh it's Jackmaster and he was like that's it that's your, that's your DJ and then that just stuck and I just used it so you've never talked to Farley Jackmaster Funk ever have you ever met him uh, he's kind of, I've, I've played on the same it's a, it's a weird one I played on the same bill as him in London once he'd said to the promoter that he would be interested to work with me on some music but then he's kind of dug me up on tw- uh, he's, he's dug me up on social media a few times for using the name so he must have a short memory <laughs> He did actually ask me to work with him once. <laughs> the truth is, is that it was actually Steve Silk Hurley who came up with the term Jackmaster and Farley Jackmaster Funk. According to according to uh, Steve Silk Hurley on a documentary I watched, Farley Jackmaster Funk sold the name from him. The BBC one. Yeah, yeah, it was Channel 4. He went and announced himself as Farley Jackmaster Funk, so he stole it from someone, so I can steal it from him. So let me ask you, so as a young one, you were working at Rub-A-Dub and I read everything about like what you had talked about and how you guys kind of curated the music. In that record store, what were people thinking of Chicago and what were the songs and artists that you highly revered? There was always a massive tracks records um, section in Rub-A-Dub and there was, also, there was always a very big dance mania section. Rub-A-Dub was uh-huh. one of the first people in Europe to import any US 12 inches, mostly from Chicago, Detroit, and New York, and we also had our own distribution uh-huh. company, so we would buy these records in bulk, and we were partly responsible for spreading them around Europe, uh-huh. so we'd sell them to other shops. Other, the only other people that were really doing that at the time were Hardwax in Germany and Fat Cat, uh-huh. 
records down in London. And, you know, the US, it was like, Robert was pretty much built on Hot Shot Techno, Chicago House, and, and New York House. So it was a massive influence to Rubber Dub and, and I, in turn it, it always has been to me and my friends and all the guys I run my club with. So is that the biggest record store in, in Glasgow? It's the only surviving record, independent record store in Glasgow now. That's amazing. I'm sure you've been asked this question a lot because, you know, you've been quoted to say it's okay to just be a DJ. And so I'm really fascinated because honestly, like I've, this magazine has been around for 12 years and I've interviewed hundreds of DJs and I don't think I've ever met really a whole lot of DJs that were as, as big as you are on just the, on the merit of being a DJ alone and yeah, I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. I was just got, I just kind of got, I got quite lucky in many ways because a lot of, there was a lot of catalysts that occurred at the same time in my career that just um, kind of kicked up, kicked everything off for me. I went to, in 2010, I went to Red Bull Music Academy in London and at this, around the same time I won Best Breakthrough DJ with Mick. Uh, with, DJ, uh, with DJ Magazine and also I got asked to do a Fabric Mix CD. Wow. A combination of all those three things really raised my profile quite quite rapidly, almost mm-hmm. overnight. Also, this was at a time where the blog culture was quite big and I would do mixes and a lot of blogs would pick them up because my mixes were very varied in style. They would have like house and techno, but it'd also be a mix of like some disco stuff, uh, R&B and hip-hop, acapellas and shit, so it was like they were very accessible to people. They were just like, they're kind of like party mixes in the same vein as like, um, well, like Diplo and the guys used to do, Bud used to do the holotronic stuff. I guess it was kind of influenced by them, but with more of a, a, a house and techno edge. Um, so I, and then, then there was a very big cut, then there was a big buzz uh-huh. around myself, Ben, UFO and One Man, purely because none of us produced music and we were becoming big DJs and then the press, People like Resident Advisor and Accelerator Magazine really started to pick up on like the DJ's DJ and the uh-huh. DJ, so to speak. When was this? What year was this about? Uh, this is about 2011, 2012. In 2011, we always used to DJ together and we were just recognised as being really good. So, so I, I mean, I've been, re- I've been really lucky. If you're just a DJ and you're not making tracks, you're, you, can, you can be very uh-huh. adaptable and you don't get typecast really as easily. If a producer makes it, a dubstep track, uh-huh. typecast as a dubstep DJ, it's hard for him to go to a club and play house music. Uh-huh. But we were just right place, right time, I think. So do you feel a lot of pressure to kind of, uh, to be a showman? I mean, I've seen your sets, they're incredible. You know, you have a very magnetic style of DJing that I can see why they, they call you that. So we're really looking forward to seeing you play. You know, when you were coming up, did you take as many risks as you did as you can now? or? Probably actually took a lot more risks when I was growing up. My, set, my sets are just a little bit straighter now, like, I used to just, I, when I was younger, I would just, just throw anything in the mix at any time now, but now I've kind of learned from, I'm spending a lot more time in Ibiza and doing more gigs in Europe, uh-huh. it's influenced me quite a lot, and my sets are a lot straighter. Uh-huh. Yeah, I used, I used to throw in everything but the kitchen sink, pretty much. <laughs> What's the biggest chance you took, can you just name, like, one or two things that you just, like... Uh, it's a weird one because when I was doing it, I never saw it as a taking a chance or taking a risk. I've always thought of music and like I never really saw it in, in genres. I always saw it in like what kind of energy a track was and if it was the right energy for the right time, I would play it. Right. You know, I would, I would in the middle of a techno house set, I would be playing like eighty stuff by like Womack and Womack or like NXS and stuff like that. So, but I never really saw it as a risk at the time. I was just expressing myself and I was expressing the kind of music that I grew up hearing in my house from my from my mum and my dad really. Well, that's great. And, and did you have any teachers that told you, you know, go ahead and play what you want to play? You know, because sometimes when you have teachers, they tell you. But there's actually an Underground Resistance record, and it's called, it's called Transition, and Underground Resistance is like one of my all-time favorite labels from Detroit. 
Mm-hmm. There's a line in it that says, talks about when people say that you can't mix this with that, that you'll do it and you'll say, watch me. That's like the, yeah. it's like the quote in the record. And whenever, when I heard that record, I was like, you know what? I can do anything as a DJ. There are no yeah. rules. That's fantastic. That's great. That's a that great. That kind of became my mantra. Do you think the days of the superstar DJ are numbered? Unfortunately, not. I think like if you look at the DJ mag top 100 these days, and you've got all your kind of trans guys up there, like Tiesto, they, they very much say they are superstar DJs. It doesn't look like it's a culture. It's going to go anywhere because unfortunately, people are stupid. Right. <laughs> the majority of people are stupid, and they will like they kind of have to sometimes be force fed good music to be. I think the original era of Superstar DJ, if you look at that, they were all very talented yeah. artists. So there is a Superstar DJ culture now, it's just very different, it's like a bastardized form. Right, and it'll probably mutate at some form. Do you think you'll ever start making music, or do you already have any... I actually do go in the studio. I've just been working on a remix for a Chicago native. Okay. So I'll be working on that. But I sent it to her, and she's not replied, so I don't think she likes it. <laughs> so I'm working on that. Yeah, I, I've always been dabbling. I went to music school when I was a kid. I grew up playing the cello, all sorts of orchestras in Scotland. I used to uh-huh. went to a music course here when I was young at, at, at college, and I learned how to make electronic music. It's just uh-huh. something I don't really have time for because I do so many shows. That's crazy. And, you know, I never saw that... By the way, you have to forgive me. I have a parrot that's very noisy, so if you hear something in the background... That's all right. I was wondering what that was. That was... <laughs> Everyone's always asking me, you know, it's like I'm not watching a blue movie, it's it's a parrot. <laughs> so, you know, that's crazy because I've read so many interviews just before calling you and I I didn't see anything about you playing the cello. Yeah, no, that's not um, not many people not many people that. That's my story, I guess. Well fantastic. So you'll be in Chicago Friday at Smart Bar, right? Yes, that's correct, yeah. It'll be my second time at Smart Bar, so Great. Well, see you Friday. Okay, see you Friday. Okay, bye bye. Cheers. Bye.